I think it was basically Sarah and Edward wanted to be able to see it, and so Sean went on and streamed it, and it uh, shocked me of the response that we got. It was, it was absolutely amazing how many uh, people shared it and clicked into it and so forth, and so anyway, thanks, Sean, for doing that. Yay, Sean. Woohoo! Then the other thing, um, last Wednesday night, uh, when some of you may have left, um, there was a, uh, not really a flyer, there was a pamphlet that was put on, on uh, some of the cars, and I, I, didn't, I didn't know about it until way afterwards, otherwise I'd have left the service early and gone out and picked them all up. Uh, but um, it was on meditation and so forth. And, and the thing about it is, is one of the things you gotta understand, the most damning lie is the lie closest to the truth. And so you, you go through that pamphlet and, you, and you'll see that they included a lot of scriptures and so forth. Um, but you know, anyone takes scripture out of context. And uh, I thought it was interesting they used scripture where it talked about Jesus being the Son of Man, uh, but they didn't use any scripture referring to Jesus as the Son of God. And uh, that, that's very important because if Jesus is the Son of God, that means he's equal with God, that means he is God. And so that's why, you know, whether it's Jehovah's Witnesses or whoever it may be, um, that wasn't, this wasn't them, this was some transcendental meditation type of thing. You know, the thing that you have to understand is that many of them will acknowledge Jesus as a, as a good man. They'll acknowledge him as a prophet, they'll acknowledge him as a teacher, but they won't acknowledge him as the Son of God. And uh, for us as believers who are right, <laughs> amen. We, we know that the significances of that, the significance of that is that because of Jesus being God and paying the price for our sins, we're saved. We have hope. We have victory. If Jesus was just simply a man, we all might as well have gone camping this weekend or, you know, slept in because we were up late because the ball game ran late or whatever it may. There, there's absolutely no purpose for us being here this morning if Jesus isn't who the Bible says that he is. But thank God, amen? Thank God, Jesus is exactly who the Bible says he is. He is the son of God, he was without sin, he came, he paid the price for your sin and mine, and as a result of that, we have the abundant, victorious life because of the works of Jesus. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. Well, I want to talk with you today, and see, this, this applies to this. You know, the title of my message is, is, is From the Pit to the Palace. We'd all still be in the pit if it wasn't for Jesus. Oh, we might have money in the bank, but we'd be in the pit because our life would be absolutely hopeless. But because of Jesus, we have hope. Because of Jesus, you know, we may not realize it yet in our life, but we're, we're, we are positionally in the palace. We positionally are seated at the right hand of Father God on high with Jesus, positionally. 
experientially, we're going to experience it all one day. But right now, positionally, we are there. And because of that position, we have all the rights and privileges of being sons of God. And those are great. Hallelujah. Well, I want to talk with you because, you see, I think a lot of people have the idea that grace is merely something that we, we pray before we eat our food. Well, we need to understand that grace is, is much more than that. But we also under, have to understand is that, that grace is God's part. It's what He's done for us, what He's made available to us. As believers, what He's imparted into our lives. But it's faith, which is our part, that we receive and acknowledge and recognize what Jesus has done for us. You know, <clears throat> there's, there's a whole lot of believers that are still existing in the pit because they haven't acknowledged and recognized what Jesus has done for them. You know, I went to church for 24 years of my life. 24 years, every Sunday, because that, that was what we did. You know, and, and so sat in church and, and sat through that service, heard the songs, heard the message, but it wasn't until I was 24 years old that somebody shared with me the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not about what I've done, but it's about what Jesus has done for us. That's what grace is. Grace is God's part, what he's done for us, but we still have to acknowledge it. We still have to receive it by faith. And so in actuality, what grace is, is it's Jesus. Grace is the person of Jesus. It's what he's provided for us. It's that unmerited, it's that un earned favor that belongs to us. See, I'm favored of God. And that doesn't have to make you mad because if you're born again, you're favored of God. You know, and so uh, we need to recognize what he's done for us. You know, he's changed our lives or he's changed my life and I believe he's changed your life as well. Not just a little bit, but in dramatic fashion. I, I look back and I think of what my life could have been or would have been without Jesus. But what it is today, because of Jesus, because of what He has done for me, and what I've acknowledged that He's done. And the same thing is true for y'all. We could go around the room and, and each every one could share what Jesus has done in your life. But the changes occurred because of the favor that we have because of what Jesus has done for us. Do you realize that as believers, we get preferential treatment? We're not treated like the world. What we have is different from what the world endures because we have favor with Almighty God. You know, it's, it's interesting that we see God's grace manifest in both the Old and the New Testament. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the Gospel of John. It'll be up on the overhead too. Uh, but if you're like me, uh, you'll just soon read it in your own Bible. Um, but we, we find grace in both the New and the Old Testament. What's, what's interesting, <clears throat> before I intimately knew Jesus, the division of the Old Testament and the New Testament was kind of looked 
from the standard of the Old Testament is, is God's law and, and, and God coming down on us. The New Testament is about Jesus and about his grace and his goodness and so forth. But you know, when, you, when, when we begin to understand the character of God, you know, because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he doesn't ever change. You know, and so, you know, being from Minnesota, you know, I understand that if it doesn't change, that means it's the same. So that means that Jesus is the same in the old covenant as he is in the new covenant. The desire for, that God has for you and me in the old covenant is the same as it is in the new covenant because he doesn't change. It's important for us to acknowledge that and recognize that. And so <clears throat> looking in, in John 1, it's talking about John the Baptist. Jesus is talking about John the Baptist and he says that John bore witness to who, what, who, who Jesus was. We need to bear witness to who Jesus is in our lives. And so beginning in the 15th verse, John bore witness of him and said, uh, and, and cried out saying, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he is before me. And of his fullness, we have all received from grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace for grace. You know, the scripture says that, that in our growth, we go from glory to glory. I like that. God's glorious. Amen. And every, every step that we take towards God, we experience another level of glory. But the way that we experience that glory is as we go from grace to grace. Yes. And, and, and oftentimes we have this, this idea that grace is just this, this one thing, saving grace. Well, we got saved by grace. Remember years back I heard a preacher make this statement. He says, you're saved by grace, but everything else you get from God, you gotta work for it. Well, I come to realize something. I was saved by grace. I was baptized in the Holy Ghost by grace. I was healed by grace. I prospered by grace. God restored my marriage by grace. My kids did not rebel because of the grace of God. Everything that I have in my life is a direct result of the grace of God in operation in my life. But you know, I had to go from one to the another. Every step along the way, I had to recognize and acknowledge something more that God's done for me. Let me tell you something. If your Christian life is getting boring, read the Bible. Because if your Christian life is getting boring, it's telling me something. You're not reading your Bible. Well, how do you know I'm not reading my Bible? Because every time you open the pages of this book, you see another grace of God. You see something more that he wants to work and he wants to do in your life. And, and when I'm talking about reading your Bible, I'm not just talking about those two or three verses that we read every day in our scripture reading. I'm talking about opening the book and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. You know, I remember the day that I found, it found me. 
Philippians 4, 19, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. I was pastoring my first church up in Wapaka, Wisconsin. Our needs didn't appear to be being met. And God spoke to my heart as I was, I was meditating on that passage that day. And that day, that scripture passage went from my head down into my heart, and it was no longer just a bunch of words. I knew that my God would supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. But in the natural, absolutely nothing had changed. My wife had still gone to the grocery store considering buying margin rather than butter because we didn't have money. But God supplied every one of our needs and he'll supply every one of your needs as you look to him. But you've got to recognize that it's not your great ability that's going to accomplish it. It's his grace. Now we work along with his grace. A man that doesn't work, neither should he eat, the scripture says. And so there's that part that we play in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. But ultimately, it's recognizing and acknowledging that it's God that works the difference in our lives. Moses gave the law, but he says grace and truth came through Jesus. Why is it that truth came through Jesus? Well, it says, the Bible says it is truth. The Bible, the Word is truth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. The Word became flesh, Jesus. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is truth. And so grace and truth came through Jesus. Why is Jesus always emphasized in church? Because He's grace. He's truth. He's all in all. He's everything that we need. And without Him, we have absolutely nothing. Without Him, we remain in the pit. But because of Jesus, we can experience a life of abundance, a life of plenty, a life of peace, a life of wholeness, but it's all through Jesus and what he's accomplished for us. Notice what John said. He acknowledged um, that Jesus came after him, but yet Jesus was before him. John was born like six months before Jesus was born, but Jesus had always been. And John recognized that. We need to recognize that, yes, Jesus walked on this earth. Jesus, as he walked on the earth, was tempted in every way as you and I, yet without sin. How do we know that we can overcome sin? How do we know that we can overcome that difficulty, whatever it may be in our life? Because Jesus did. And when Jesus walked on this earth, he walked as a man. He set aside his deity. And he walked as a man, just like you and I did, yet without sin. So he never, he never committed sin. But yet John also recognized that Jesus was before him. In other words, he always was. You go back and you see that, that the worlds were created by the word Jesus. And so he always was. And so it's important for us to not just simply see Jesus as a man, but we need to see him as the Son of God because he has authority and he's delegated that authority unto us and that's another message and so we're gonna move on. But the thing about it is he doesn't force us to experience his grace, to walk in his grace. You know what? If a person wants to go to hell, they can. Nobody has to receive Jesus Christ 
as their Lord and Savior. For by grace you've been saved through faith, but not of yourself, it's a gift of God. It's a gift that's been provided for each and every one of us. But you know what? We don't have to receive it if we don't want to. But you know what? The same thing is true of every one of the other graces that God has made available to us. He wants us healed. He wants us delivered. He wants us prosperous. He wants us free. He wants us to experience peace and joy. He wants us to experience all of those things. But you know what? If we don't want to, we don't have to. Well, pastor, I want all of those things. But will you receive it from Jesus or are you going to try to do it in your own strength and in your own efforts? Because that's what we want to do because we want to feel like we've done something. But you know what? The only thing that we've accomplished in our doing is distance us from the goodness and the love of God. You know, I, I love that last song that we sang. How we need Jesus. I need you. Oh, how I need you. And you know, the thing about it is, is <clears throat> I've been walking with the Lord now over 40 years. And the thing that I found is that the longer I walk with him, the more I need him. It isn't a thing that I come to the realization that now I can handle it myself. No, I come to a deeper understanding that I can't handle it myself. I come to a deeper understanding that I need Jesus more than I ever have. I depend upon him more than I ever have. Why? Because I recognize my weakness, my inabilities more than I ever have. And so it's a gift that's been granted to us. We, we receive it by faith, but it's a gift that's been granted to us through the through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And through that, because he did it for you and I, we find favor. I want you to look at something in, in Luke, the first chapter. In Luke, the first chapter, in the 26th verse, it talks about when the angel uh, came to Mary to announce uh, that she was going to be the mother of Jesus. In the 26th verse, it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee near Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and, con and, and considered the manner of the greeting, uh, of the greeting this was. What manner of this greeting? You know, so it isn't something you hear every day. Oh, favored one. Uh, what did it say about blessed are you? Uh, among women. More than any other woman, you're blessed. You're favored. And so she's, she's pondering this. She's thinking about this greeting. And then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you, are found, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall cause name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the, most high, of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. 
So here she hears this, oh favored one. I want you to recognize something, see something. She did nothing to deserve that favor. She just was this young woman. I mean, obviously she had lived a good life, but guess what? She had sinned. She, had, she is a sinner. All have sinned. All. And so it wasn't her, her goodness that brought her favor because it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so she would be included in that because there's only one righteous in himself and that's Jesus. We're righteous because of him. Because of his work for you and I. And so the angel says, I like what the, ampl the, the, the amp Amplified says about her, that she has ab um, absolute favor. You know what? We have favor. We have favor with God because of what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. And just like Mary, it isn't because she earned it or she deserved it. It's because God showed favor to her. I want to tell you something this morning. I want you to get a hold of this fact. God has shown you favor. And you need to begin to acknowledge the favor that God has demonstrated towards you. Oh, maybe you haven't seen it all manifest yet in your life, but if the promise is in the word to you, you need to begin to declare it and claim it and acknowledge it as belonging to you because that's the favor of God upon your life. When something good happens to you, it ought not to be, well, you know, I guess I was lucky this time. No, that's the favor of God on your life. There's things that could have happened to you in your life, and you don't know why it happened. Let me tell you why it happened. It happened because of the favor of God. And we need to begin to recognize it, and we need to begin to acknowledge that it's His goodness, and it's His love, and it's, fa it's favor. What happens is, because of Jesus in our life, we find ourselves being preferred over others. Well, pastor, that isn't fair. Let me tell you something. This whole kingdom stuff has absolutely nothing to do with being fair. Thank you for that rousing amen. But it doesn't. It has absolutely nothing to do about fairness. It has everything to do with the favor of God the desire of God, the wants of God. He's God! It's, a, it's an interesting thing about being God. You get to be God. That means you're in control. You get to make the decision. That's God's part. Our part is, yes, Lord, have your way in my life because we have this confidence to know that His way is always better than anything, absolute, any, absolutely anything that I could ever come up with. You know, in the book of Esther, we have the account of this woman. You know, <clears throat> I, I just think it's amazing that when we have a, have a heart for God, He turns towards us. He is so eager to pour his grace and his mercy out upon us. And 
And we have this, this Esther in the scriptures. She had really done absolutely nothing to deserve favor. But she found favor with God. She found favor with the king. I don't ever want what I deserve. I don't. You know, because if God gives me what I deserve, I'm going to be miserable. But it's not going to be, because in reality, what we deserve is hell and damnation. It's what we deserve. You're sitting here this morning enjoying the blessings of God, not because you deserve it, because he chose to pour his favor out upon your life. You know, the, the, most, the most amazing thing that I, that I can think of is, is the fact that I'm standing up here. I mean, I've been doing it now for 36 years, standing in front of this church and the church in Wapaka. Had the honor to preach in churches and schools all over the world. And every time I get up, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just absolutely amazed. Because I don't deserve this honor. I'm not smart enough. I know I'm good looking enough, but you know, I'm not smart enough. I, I'm not educated enough. I don't talk good enough. You know, I, I mean, everything, I, you know, when I graduated, I would have been the most least likely. But God, I, I love that phrase, but God. It wasn't because of Schroeder, it wasn't because of Dave, it wasn't because of CLC, it's because of God. But God chose to show favor to this ignorant farm boy from Minnesota and said, you're going to preach. What's God called you to do? And then, what have you settled for? Rather than take the mindset that if God said it, not just simply in his word, but if he spoke that to your heart, if he spoke it to you, he's going to equip you to be able to do what he's called you to do. So here we have we have Esther. I mean, she shouldn't even have been brought before the king because she was a Jew. But, you know, she was, she was brought for the king. You, you remember the whole story that the, the, the wife of the king um, refused to come to the king when the king called for her because he wanted to show off his bride and, and before everybody else and she didn't want to she didn't want to be belittled that way. And so she refused to go. And so all the counselors came to the king and they say, you know, 
if you don't do something about this, this woman of yours is going to cause trouble for all of us. You know, because if, if your woman thinks that she doesn't have to listen to you, none of our women are going to think that they have to listen to us. Now, now men, we all know that would be a problem, right? Right. <clears throat> we, we, better, we better move on. You know, but, but so, so one day, so she refused to go. They said, well, King, what are you going to do about this? And so they counsel them. They say, you know, uh, banish her, send her off someplace, and don't ever allow her to come into your presence again. You know, it's never good to make a rash decision. And he says, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. Okay, okay. You know, of course, then the next day he felt bad because, well, he felt bad. Probably reasons behind it. We won't go into that, you know. But he, you know, but he couldn't call her in because he had given his word. And so they they come up with another good idea: call for all the beautiful virgins of the land to come before you one by one, and you can choose the choicest of all the the, the women of the land. And and he, and he said, "Whoa, that sounds like a good idea." Must have been the Solomon spirit that rose up on the inside of him. You know, but so anyway, he, he agrees with that. So they, they go throughout the land and they bring in all the, the beautiful virgins to, to go before the king so that he can pick out a new, a new queen from amongst them. And so then we, we get to Esther, verse, or chapter 20, verse 15. Now when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihu, the, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter to go into the king, she requested nothing but what Haggai, the king's Enoch, the custodian of the women, advised. And so she didn't, she didn't try to do anything special. She didn't try to do, think up something to impress the king. She just went in. Listen to what the Enoch had told her what to do, and she went in. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. In other words, as she walked in, everybody looked and went, whoa. You know, and when we were at the high school in, in, uh, in Honduras, um, the service that we had there, um, the four teenagers got up and they, they all shared, um, Bella and Emma and Maddie and Lauren. They got up and they, they shared. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't know if you realize this, but, but our, our young people have favor on their life. I'm going to give you all another chance. Our young people have favor on their life. Amen. Not just simply with God, but with all. Just like little old Esther here. So I hear these, these girls get up there and, and they're just, you know, of course I'm by this time, you know, with three of my grandchildren there and, and Lauren up there, you know, I'm basically a basket case, just boohooing all over the place and and, you know, and boys are boys no matter where you go. And I, I looked around and they're up there sharing and I see this one guy and he looks over at his buddy and goes, they, they found favor. 
And I looked over another one, and he, he's got his, heart, his hands like this, and he's going, you know. I thought, yeah, 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 they're, 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 they're pretty cool, yep. And, uh, you know, I, I tried to impress them, you know, and just talk with the group that I had, and I was talking about, you know, trying to get them to lighten up a little bit because they're pretty serious. And so I started talking about how good-looking I was, or am. Am, that was a miss how good looking I am and then I showed him Maddie and the other girls over there and I I said and you know they're they're good they're my grandkids you know and the one kid said uh, hmm I think I want to go to your church and I knew it had absolutely nothing to do with me and I heard another one say under my under his breath the other sure a lot better looking than you are you know but uh, anyway Esther so Esther, she found favor with all. Not, even, even before she got into the king, she's finding favor with everyone. And, and notice, she didn't do anything special. You know, I remember being in the Philippines and walking down the street with Jimmy and, and uh, just, just a in utter poverty and amongst the Filipinos and stuff. And I, and I look forward, and many of you heard me share this, but I look forward and I see this individual walking towards us and I think, this individual looks different. And we get to this individual and Jimmy stops and he says, I want to introduce you, I, I don't remember if a, a man or a woman, brother, sister, so-and-so, they're part of the church. You could tell from a distance that something was different about that individual. You and I, we are peculiar people. Doesn't mean you're weird. It means you're different. You're peculiar. You're different. And if we're the same as the world, we're not peculiar. To be different from the world means we're different. That means something different has to be taking place in our life. And as a result of that, we find favor with those around us. Not just simply because of our looks, but people want to give you a deal and they don't know why. You find favor. They're attracted to you and they don't know why. It's the favor of God on your life. But you know what? We need to begin to recognize and acknowledge the favor of God on our life. Because it isn't what I've done, it's what Jesus has done in my life. And the more that I acknowledge what Jesus has done in my life, the more it's going to be real. The more, the more it's going to be visible to those around us. And so Esther finds favor in the sight of all who saw her, 16th verse. So Esther was taken to the king into his royal palace in the tenth month, in the seventh year of his reign. The king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained grace and favor in the sight, in his sight, more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen. Queen, Why? Because she found favor. 
We find favor, not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. His name is Jesus. And it says that the king loved her more than all, showed favor because he loved her more than all, showed her preferential treatment. Why? It was a favor on her life. And God loves us in that same way. You know, in, the, in, in, in 1 Samuel, we have the, the account of how Samuel was called of God to anoint the king that was to replace Saul. And so he's directed to the house of Jesse. And he comes to his home. And in the 11th verse, he, they, they, they bring before him um, this Jesse's sons. And we get to the, to the 11th verse. And it says, And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him. In other words, he finally says to him, Don't you have any other sons? Now, Many of you may feel like you've come from a dysfunctional family. The thing and the things in that household wasn't absolutely the way that it should have been or could have been. That there was favoritism or whatever that was showing. Just think about this where David is concerned. Samuel says, Bring your sons before me. Brings all the sons. He starts with the oldest and he works his way down. And he rejects them all and he finally says, well, don't you have any others? Because Samuel knows that the Lord spoke to him that he's supposed to go to this place and he's to anoint this individual king, but he hasn't seen him yet. So he says, don't, don't you have any other sons? Oh, yeah, yeah, there's, there's David. He's out taking care of the sheep. Well, he says, bring him in. So he went out and he, he brought him in. And it says, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was, he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. See, in the world's eyes, in his family's eyes, in his father's eyes, David could never possibly be the one. What David was good at was looking after the sheep. But God had another purpose for him. God had another call for him. He spoke to the prophet of God the moment that he saw him and he said, anoint him king. Now the interesting thing about it is, once again, David had done absolutely nothing. He was probably the least educated. He was probably the least prepared. He was probably the one that had the least uh, ability to lead of, of all the brothers. But for some reason, he's the one that was chosen. And he's the one that became king. 
And he was the one that God said concerning him that he was the apple of his eye. He found favor in, in so many ways. Wasn't perfect. Remember, David was an adulterer. David was a murderer. David was a liar. He is, he is all those things that oftentimes we look upon and we say that disqualifies an individual. But see, in the eyes of God, he looked out. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying all that stuff is okay. But I'm saying it isn't dependent upon you. It's dependent upon Jesus in your life and what he is wanting to produce in and through you. Let's look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. We need to come to the realization we're not sufficient in ourselves. Talked about something similar to this on Wednesday night because we talked about the fact that oftentimes people that are really educated, they're, they're hard to reach with the gospel because oftentimes they're so, they're so sufficient in themselves. And they won't acknowledge they, they, they have a need in their life. Doesn't matter what a person's lot is in life, position is in life, none of us can accomplish, none of us can truly succeed apart from Jesus. And so it says here in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, and, well, let's start in the fourth verse. And we have such trust through Jesus towards God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The Spirit of God living and working within each and every one of us. As we, as we allow the Holy Spirit, the Spirit to work in us who, who makes us sufficient, who gives us the ability, we can bring life to those around us. It's not based on what we can do. It's always about Jesus. When Pastor Becky and I were in, in Israel, one of the sites that we got to see, it's in ruins now, but was the Pool of Bethesda. And uh, at that pool, if you remember, there was a man that Jesus found there that had suffered from an infirmity for 38 years. Think about that. He had been suffering for 38 years with this disorder. But Jesus came on the scene, and we're going to begin reading in John, the fifth chapter, in the second verse, and it says, Now there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, 
which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Seems like such a simple question. Do you want to be made well? And you'd think after laying there for 38 years in that condition, the first thing that would come out of your mouth would be something real deep like, yes. But no. That wasn't his response. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. He's looking at himself. Jesus, the Son of God. Now I understand he doesn't probably really know who it is who's standing in front of him. But you know what? We oftentimes have the same problem. Jesus is standing before us in his word and he's basically saying, do you want to be made well? And we come up with all the excuses as to why we can't be made well. Well, he's not asking for our excuses. He's not asking me what I'm going to do or what I can do or what I can't do. He's just simply saying, do you want to be made well? Tough question. Yes, is the answer. So when you see something in the scripture, and it declares that by the stripes of Jesus, you have been made whole. Yes, I've been made whole. You're having financial difficulties. And you see in the scriptures that he says, God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. What's my response? Yes, I receive it in Jesus' name. See, that's what favor is. It's not about you. It's about the one who wants to bless you. We need to get our eyes off of ourselves. Get our eyes off of our circumstances. Get our eyes off of our difficulties. And get our eyes back where they belong on Jesus. And one of the key ingredients to that is for us to get our eyes back into the Word of God. And so what does Jesus do? He's, in spite of the man's answer, he looks at him and, and Jesus said to him, Arise, take up your bed and walk. Now thank God he responded. Because oftentimes people don't even respond to it. You know, so he responded uh, to what Jesus said to him. Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately 
The man was made well, took up his bed and he walked. And it was a Sabbath day. And of course, we know that later on Jesus gets into trouble because he healed on the Sabbath. Oh, you're breaking the rules. Jesus made the rules. And the rule is, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, his will for you is wholeness. His will for you is completeness. His favor is upon you 24-7 to bring about the fullness of whatever it might be that you need in your life. Proverbs 14.9 says, Fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is favor. Among the righteous there is favor. The fool mocks sin. The fool says it doesn't matter. But we, the righteous, we have favor because of the completed works of Jesus, because of what he has accomplished in our, in our lives. And you know what? His favor is like a laser beam cutting through to find you wherever you are. We say, well, I found God. No, he didn't. You finally stopped running long enough so that he could get you to acknowledge him. He's never lost you because he's always wanted you. It's his will for all to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. And it's always been that will and that purpose for you. In Jeremiah 1.5 it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. His purpose for you has always been for you to serve him. His purpose for you has always been for his favor to be upon your life. His purpose for you has always been for you to have success and abundance in every area. And he's withholding no good thing from you. Favor, unmerited, undeserved, preferential treatment. It's all been gifted to you through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And what we need to do, recognize it, acknowledge and receive it as belonging to us. Why? Because it does. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, His purpose for you, His desire for you is more than enough. He's not a just getting by God. He's a more than enough God who desires for abundance to overtake you. Why? So you can live in an $11 million mansion? No, we've heard enough about those in the last few weeks. 
That doesn't change a person to the better. But I'll tell you what the more than enough is that he wants in your life. That you're content, that you're satisfied, and that you have enough to be able to bless and minister to others. Because we serve a God of plenty, a God of more than enough. And he wants to touch every single area of your life, if we will allow him to. As for me and my house, we choose to allow him to. Abundance, blessing, wholeness, completeness. And it's all available in the name of Jesus. Amen? amen. And amen. Father, we thank you today for your goodness. We thank you that you're a loving Father who desired to pour out upon us abundant blessing. We thank you, Father, that we have found favor in your eyes. That you've chosen us. It's not that we've chosen you. We choose to have you be first place in our lives in every area of our life. We want your will, your purpose, your plan to be fulfilled. So Lord, today we choose to yield to you. Father, have your way in each of our lives. We consecrate ourselves unto you this day that your purpose and plan might be fulfilled. And Father, we declare it in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. So as you go, go in his peace, go in his strength, go in his grace, go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the magnificent name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. Give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them. And be blessed.